You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Oshreker of Ravens Wire. And as the preseason really starts to get along, you really don't expect a lot of big news to drop. It kind of gets slower and slower in terms of news days. But, wow, did we have kind of a little bit of a bombshell dropped on us today with this Jermaine Illuminor trade news. For those of you who haven't heard yet, Jermaine Illuminor was traded to the New England Patriots yesterday for an undisclosed draft pick. So we're going to really get into that today. That's going to be our first segment, kind of getting into what the Illuminor trade means for the team, why they traded him, and what it means for the future of these other people who are competing for that left guard spot. We're also going to take a look at the Ravens' acquisitions this offseason and look at what their predictions will be for this season in my eyes, but those will not include players like Robert Griffin III or Nick Boyle, players who the Ravens re-signed. It's going to be new players who the Ravens signed away from other teams. So we have a lot to get into today. Let's get right into it. I am Kevin Ostriker, and this is your Lockdown Ravens lead story. As I said, Jermaine Illuminor was traded to the New England Patriots yesterday for an undisclosed draft pick. I think that draft pick is probably going to end up being a seventh round pick, especially because the Ravens got that same value for Alex Lewis, a player who... Really didn't impress in training camp because he was hurt, still recovering. Eric DaCosta kind of flew him out of Baltimore just because he wasn't an Eric DaCosta guy. I asked on Twitter what people thought of the Illuminor trade news, and I got a lot of good responses, so I'm going to go through those and talk about them and discuss them just for a little bit before I get into what it means for the team. Spencer responded and said that DaCosta brought in his guys and Powers and Makari and getting rid of Ozzie Newsom's draft picks in terms of Alex Lewis and Jermaine Illuminor. I think this is a good take by Spencer, Eric DaCosta bringing in his own guys. Now he has full control of the team. He was kind of taking a backseat to Ozzie Newsome when he was the assistant. So although Eric DaCosta did have a lot of influence in that Ravens draft room, Ozzie Newsome actually ended up making those final decisions. Now that DaCosta has control of the team, he wants to shape it to his liking, thus bringing in his guys and powers and even Patrick McCarry. While Alex Lewis and Jermaine Illuminor did have value, they both provided some solid spot starts and Alex Lewis was actually a viable starting option for the Ravens for a year but Lewis got injured too much Illuminor was too inconsistent and never really ran with a job DeCosta's just saying that look if you're not gonna go in and you're not gonna do your job you're gonna be shipped off somewhere else and you can go do it somewhere else but it's not gonna be here because there are other guys waiting in the wings this move to me I was very surprised by it I thought that Illuminor was going to make it at least as the backup especially because he has the ability to play both the guard and tackle positions overall I think that there were some rumors starting to circulate that maybe Illuminor wouldn't make the team. So the fact that DaCosta got anything at all for a player who maybe he was just going to outright cut and not get anything for, again, is a win. The Ravens now have 11 draft picks in 2020, as well as a rumored $90 million in cap space if everything goes right. With Joe Flacco's dead money coming off the books, an expensive player contract such as Jimmy Smith expiring, the Ravens are set up for the future. So even if they don't make a lot of noise this year, which I still think they're going to make some noise, but if they don't make a lot of noise this year, the Ravens are set up very well for the future. They have a lot of young guys, and they're really reshaping this team in what's really almost a soft rebuild. And how I define a soft rebuild is a team that has a lot of young guys but still performs at a high level and is kind of moving away from the veteran talent that they have while still maintaining a decent veteran presence 
and bringing in young guys at the same time. So while the Ravens have been losing players like Terrell Suggs, DJ Mosley, Eric Weddle, they've been developing their young talent alongside these veterans and even bringing in new ones such as Earl Thomas to fill the void. When the Ravens have $90 million in cap space, that's when you go and you bring in a high-priced veteran or two who can contribute. But they can also go out and with these 11 draft picks, they can trade one or two of them for a starting caliber left guard if they so choose. And they'd still have nine draft picks if they trade two of them. So I think this was overall a good deal for the Ravens. What I think it means for the team is now there's a whole opening at this left guard position that nobody anticipated. There's been a left guard opening for the entire camp and preseason, but... Now there's one less guy to compete for it. In a competition where nobody has really stood out, John Harbaugh said that the competition is still wide open. He was quoted saying, oh yeah, it's still open. I talked to a couple of guys this morning about it. My mind is still open. I'm sure there are people in the building, coaches and stuff that have their opinions, but I'm very open right now. So I think that he really just wants this to remain in competition. He was quoted saying that as well, saying it will probably, in all honesty, remain in competition until somebody establishes himself as the established starter. There's a difference between being a starter and an established starter. That person's going to have to continue to earn that by how they play during the regular season. I agree with him. Nobody's really stood out. Patrick McCarry had a few good practices, a few good weeks. Ben Powers has struggled a bit. Really, the only options for the Ravens at this point internally are giving the job to Powers or Makari or sliding James Hurst back inside to the left guard position. So Harbaugh has to decide, does he want to have a veteran on the inside and give up his primary tackle backup? to be the starter at left guard, or does he want to give the job to an inexperienced rookie? I do think the Ravens will continue to scour the free agent market as cut day approaches and passes, as well as the trade market. I can't think of any trade targets off the top of my head, just because there are so many people at this point who could get traded and who I don't even expect to be traded who could become trade targets for the team. So I'm not going to get into speculation with that, but I think the Ravens could target somebody on the trade market. So that could be an option for the team to really solve this left guard position. But Illuminor just didn't take the job and run with it. He was given the job by Harbaugh and said, look, this is yours to lose. He showed up to camp out of shape, failed his conditioning test, had a lot of false starts in camp, didn't perform well in the preseason, and that must have made the coaching staff very upset. And at a certain point, you're just going to do enough to say, look, you can earn another opportunity elsewhere, but it's not going to be with us. We've had enough, and the Ravens just had had enough. Garrett Ferguson ended up saying that Bill Belichick will have some insider info on the Ravens' new offense when the two teams meet in Week 9. Yeah, that is probably true. The Ravens will probably be switching up their offensive play calling just a bit, but that's something where you have to take that risk if you really don't want a guy on your team if you think that he's just not a productive player and you're going to trade him to a rival like the Patriots you don't have to play him twice a year but this year the Ravens and Patriots do meet up so Illuminar will probably be sharing his knowledge with Bill Belichick and that Patriots coaching staff. Carolyn Johnson said that after minicamp Harbaugh made it clear that Illuminar was the front runner he didn't pass the physical he has injuries inconsistent play and that she couldn't imagine anything really making Harbaugh more upset than that after telling him to improve his fitness and the job is his to lose. That's what I just alluded to and I totally agree with Carolyn here. I think that Illuminor was really handed this job because of his veteran presence on the team and someone who has had some success in the past as a backup and a spot starter but he really did everything in his power to lose this job. I still think Illuminor is a good player. I still think he has potential but in a season where the Ravens are trying to get Lamar Jackson to stay healthy and to protect him, Illuminor looked almost kind of like a revolving door and 
they needed to solve that issue by shipping him off and hopefully he does well at the Patriots I don't wish any ill will on any players here I also don't think that Illuminor is a bad player as I just said I just think that he wasn't a fit on this team at this time Govind Seth said that Hurst is the best option at this point I don't know if I agree with that just because of the fact that Makari has produced at a high level and Harbaugh really likes Hurst's versatility as a backup tackle and the Ravens don't really have any other backup tackle options at this point outside of Hurst. Illuminor really was that. He can play both guard and tackle. So I think that the Ravens are going to end up probably picking Powers and Makari to take this job week one, but I would not also be surprised if he gave it to Hurst to start off the season, and if he doesn't do well, maybe rotating in Powers and Makari in that position. If you send me your responses on Twitter, if you send me your opinions on Twitter, I will answer. I will read them. I think it's a great way to start discussion, have good conversation, and hopefully you guys like me reading your stuff out. So if you have an opinion on the Ravens or if you want to respond to a tweet that I say that's an opinionated piece, I will read your opinions out and I will comment on them. So be sure to do that. But overall, this Illuminar trade was a shocker to me at this point, looking back on it and kind of having a chance to digest it. Maybe a move that had to be done. DaCosta got a pick for a player that he probably wasn't going to use this season. So overall, just a bit of a shocker. We're going to go to break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about the Ravens offseason additions on the offense, what my stat predictions for them are, and how big of an impact they will have on this team. But before we do that, it's a new season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odo Beckham is in Cleveland. The only thing that hasn't changed is where people are putting their money down on all these games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your huge cash prize pool. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, and they pay. MyBookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. You can get up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus, so you can double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win and get paid. Welcome back, everybody. We just talked about the Jermaine Illuminor trade, someone who departed the team. But now we're going to be talking about players who arrived in the offseason. And we're going to get into the offensive weapons that the Ravens added this offseason. Like I said, we're not going to be talking about Robert Griffin III, Nick Boyle, players who the Ravens re-signed. We're also not going to be talking about draft picks. We're going to be talking about veteran players who the Ravens signed to this roster to help them win games. So let's start with the offense, starting off with Mark Ingram. I've talked about Ingram a lot on this podcast, and I think he's going to be a very monumental piece in this offense. I liked the idea of Le'Veon Bell as a player in terms of the offensive skill set that he provides. He can be a pass catcher out of the backfield. He can run. He's very elusive, very agile, but also can be a power runner. I think Ingram is a lot, if not all of those things, and the Ravens were able to get him at a cheaper price. He's not as much as a diva as Le'Veon Bell is alleged to be. We've seen a few incidents here and there with Le'Veon Bell where 
he's been a diva and Mark Ingram is a very nice guy, team first guy, loves to be a mentor to these younger guys. So that's something that I really like about Ingram. In his career, he's played in 106 games and he's had 1,321 rushes for a tick over 6,000 yards and 50 touchdowns overall on the ground. And you look at his stats through the air, he's had 228 receptions for 1,598 yards and five touchdowns. That's where I really think that Ingram can help the Ravens is in that passing game. He obviously has immense value as a runner, but in the passing game, he's a guy who is really undervalued. I think that his receiving skills are going to help Lamar Jackson, especially being a threat to run just a simple out out of the backfield or just to stay in the flat, even run some go routes out of that backfield. And I think that overall, he has a 79.7 catch percentage. He has sure hands, and when he gets the ball in open space, he's actually very difficult to bring down because he has that blend of power and speed. He's able to jump cut at a very high level. I think that his receiving skills will just not go unnoticed in this Ravens offense, especially because with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, their receiving skills aren't as polished as Mark Ingram's. In terms of what he can do on the ground, what I liked out of him in the preseason games that I saw was his ability to just stay up, keep those legs churning, and not go down. He also bounces off of defenders like I've honestly never seen before. In the Ravens preseason game against the Packers, he was bouncing off of defenders, gaining extra yards, and when I say bounce, I mean bounce. Like He was bouncing off of defenders, and that was really cool for me to see because he just would not go down. Ingram's going to be a guy who, in his best season in 2017, had 230 rushes for 1,124 yards and 12 touchdowns, along with 58 receptions for 416 yards. Didn't have a touchdown through the air, but that's beside the point. Ingram has been a bell cow. He's surpassed 200 carries three times in his career. Also has had seasons with 156 and 166 carries. He's also a guy who can be injury prone, but he hasn't had that issue as much over the last few years. He's only played a full season three times out of his eight career years in the NFL, so that's a bit concerning. But overall, Ingram is a guy who can provide solid veteran presence, has experience being a workhorse back and a back in a committee, which I think is very good because in all honesty, this Ravens backfield will most likely be a committee backfield. Looking at Ingram, I think he could really have about 130 to 150 rushes this year. I also think that he could probably put up 800 to 900 yards in this Ravens offense. It's probably going to be featuring a lot of run-heavy schemes, and I could say anywhere from four to six touchdowns for Ingram. Maybe even I'd put his cap at seven. I think that Edwards will maybe poach some goal line work from him. Justice Hill might also poach some longer touchdowns, but I think Ingram has the ability to really be a 150 carry back who ends up putting up 800 or 900 yards with probably five or six touchdowns. Four to seven is my goal for him. So I think that Ingram's going to be great. Looking at the wide receivers the Ravens signed in Michael Floyd and Seth Roberts, these are the other two who they signed away from other teams, these two veteran wide receivers. It's been an interesting story with these two. Michael Floyd is a guy who the Ravens signed away from the Washington Redskins. Last season, he only had 10 receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. But his prime was really with the Arizona Cardinals from 2012 to 2016. In 2013, he had 1,041 yards and five touchdowns and by far his best year. When he was in his prime, he was a very solid number two receiver to Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. Obviously, Floyd probably will not get back to that level, especially with the Ravens, but I think that Floyd, if he makes the team, and right now with both Floyd and Roberts, it's a big if because I think they give a spot to one of the players. I don't think they give it to both of them. 
I think that if Floyd makes the team, he can really contribute maybe 15 catches, 200 yards, and maybe one or two scores. He's a big-bodied receiver that Lamar Jackson likes. He showed a little bit of chemistry with Trace McSorley. He is a good veteran. He ran into the law a little bit after his stint with the Arizona Cardinals, but I think he's really trying to get his career back on track, and if I had to pick one between Michael Floyd and Seth Roberts at this point, I'm probably going with Floyd. Going into Seth Roberts, Roberts really had the job locked up. He had a roster spot locked up before he got injured. He showed in camp that he can still be a productive receiver, but as I talked about last episode, he's more of a Willie Sneed type, and Lamar Jackson likes those big body receivers. Seth Roberts is not huge. He's 6'2", 194. He's very deadly out of the slot. In his career with Oakland, he's had 1,826 yards and 13 touchdowns. His best season came in 2015, his rookie season, when he had 32 receptions for 480 yards and 5 touchdowns. He had 494 yards out last year, but only 2 touchdowns. If Seth Roberts makes this team, he's probably looking at about 30 catches probably anywhere from 350 to 400 yards and maybe two or three touchdowns. Now that's more production than I gave Michael Floyd, but I think Floyd is a better fit on the team. If Roberts can come back from his injury, which he is expected to play against the Redskins this week, if he can come back from his injury and prove that his injury was you know, just a setback, he's still productive and he can still help the team, then at that point my tune will start to change and I think that Roberts would overtake Floyd at that point. But right now, it's just the injury. It's just he hasn't been able to get on the field, hasn't been able to play. But if he does, I'd probably peg him at 30 catches in this very crowded but unproven wide receiver room. We're going to go to break, but when we get back, we're going to look at the defensive acquisitions that the Ravens were able to scoop up this offseason. But before we do that, let's talk about Crossover Wednesday again because we are getting closer to the regular season. The NFL season does begin next week, which means Crossover Wednesday will be back for the entire regular NFL season. You will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from Opposing Sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Follow your favorite team wherever you get your podcasts and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment. Welcome back, everybody. We just got into the offensive acquisitions for the Ravens this offseason. Now we're going to get into the defensive side of the ball, talk about those defensive acquisitions. Talking with the pass rush, we're going to get into Pernell McPhee and Shane Ray right now. I think that Pernell McPhee is primed for a very big year with the team. In my eyes, he's already made the team, already shown that he can be very productive when called upon, be a very productive veteran leader, and help young guys along. So I think that McPhee is going to have a good year. In his best season in Baltimore, he had 27 combined tackles along with seven and a half sacks. It's kind of a situational pass rusher, but most people forget that in his rookie year, he had 23 combined tackles with six sacks. McVie ended up cashing in on his big year in 2014 with seven and a half sacks, ended up signing with the Bears. He had his best season of his career with the Bears, in my opinion. He ended up having 53 tackles, six sacks, and an interception. After that, he kind of fell off, only having eight sacks in his next two years. He was injured a lot, ended up getting cut by the Bears, going to the Redskins, where he only had 11 tackles. I think that McPhee ends up starting the season as a starting outside linebacker. On the opposite side of Matthew Judon, I think McPhee can have production closer to his best year in 2015 with the Bears, just with not as many tackles. I'd probably combine his two best seasons and say McPhee could really have anywhere from 30 to 35 tackles and 
probably four or five sacks, which for a player who the Ravens signed for cheap off the free agent market would be a very big coup for them if they can get four to five sacks out of McPhee. And I think he can do it because he's going to be on the field. He's going to use his speed and his power to overpower these offensive linemen. And I think that he has a very veteran savvy array of moves that offensive linemen won't be expecting out of him. So we have to remember he's only 30 and I say only 30, you know, 30 is the year where people decide that players are old nowadays, but I think that McPhee is going to have a good year for the team. Shane Ray, on the other hand, unfortunately, I don't think he makes the team. We talked about that on Tuesday with Spencer and yesterday as well, but I think that if Shane Ray makes this team, he would probably not get a ton of playing time, so I can probably see his 2018 and 2017 seasons being closer to the production he'd get. He ended up only having 16 tackles in 2017, 10 tackles in 2018 with a sack in each year. I think he would probably have around 12 or 13 tackles, maybe a sack or two, but at this point, I don't see Shane Ray making the team, unfortunately. I was really high on him, but I think that there's just not a place for him. Justin Bethel is another intriguing cornerback veteran. He's made the Pro Bowl three times for special teams, so his stats are kind of skewed. He has 199 career tackles, four career interceptions. His cornerback play has dropped in recent years. He used to be a solid slot cornerback, but he's really declined in that area to the point where with the Falcons last year, he only had 14 tackles and two assists. But he's a very good special teams player. He actually had a play in... I believe it was the Green Bay game where he had a great catch on the fly of a Sam Cook punt that he caught at about the five, maybe the four. Those are the type of plays that if Justin Bethel isn't there to make that catch, that ball's rolling into the end zone, the opposing team gets it at the 20-yard line. So I think he's very valuable. I don't think he's going to see a lot of snaps at cornerback, maybe a little more now that Tavon Young has went down with his injury. Overall, I see Bethel probably having 20 tackles maybe an interception if he gets on the field a little bit more than I think during his time with the Ravens this year. But overall, I think that he's going to be a very solid special teams player. I wouldn't assess his value based off of his stats. I would assess his value based off his special teams play, his ability to down balls inside the 10, even the five yard line. And with an all pro punter like Sam Cook, you need good gunners and good special teams players. We remember Brendan Iambandagio and Corey Graham. Those guys really helped propel the Ravens to a Super Bowl win. And I think Bethel could have a similar, if not greater impact. The big defensive fish for the Ravens was Earl Thomas, the safety out of Seattle. This was a guy who I wasn't expecting the Ravens to sign at all. He was a guy who I wanted them to sign, but I just didn't expect them to really sign him. I was really gunning for Tyron Matthew because I just thought Earl Thomas wasn't a realistic option. I thought he was going to be too expensive. Tyron Matthew ends up going to the Chiefs. I wanted Le'Veon Bell for a bit. Le'Veon Bell ends up going to the Jets. Haha Clinton Dix went to the Chicago Bears. Adrian Amos went to the Green Bay Packers. So when that started happening, I was kind of getting a little worried saying, oh my God, are the Ravens going to make a splash? And that they did with Earl Thomas. The veteran leader has 664 combined tackles with 28 interceptions and two career touchdowns. This is a guy who after the Ravens cut Eric Weddle really is an embodiment of him just in a bigger body. He's a little bit younger and at this point, he's just a little bit faster. I loved Eric Weddle. He was a guy who I really wanted the Ravens to sign when they did, and I was ecstatic. That was the offseason of Eric Weddle and Mike Wallace, and that was probably my favorite offseason because those are two guys who I loved. 
Earl Thomas is a player who is very rangy, has a lot of instincts, very high football IQ. And Eric Weddle was all those things in San Diego, came over to Baltimore and provided that as well for a few years. But unfortunately, his play has kind of declined over the last few years. And it stinks because he's such a nice guy. Everybody in the Ravens organization loved him. Almost every single Ravens fan has such an admiration for Eric Weddle. And while Earl Thomas isn't as flashy as Eric Weddle, he's not going to be on social media posting about every single thing. While Eric Weddle had a very nice connection with the Ravens players on social media, I think that Earl Thomas is going to have a killer year for the Ravens. Thomas broke his leg in the fourth game that he played for the Seattle Seahawks last year. This was a guy who had three interceptions in four games last year, so... If that doesn't tell you his ability, I don't think much else will. I think Earl Thomas is going to have a monster year. I think he's going to make the Pro Bowl. I think he's going to have seven interceptions, 80 to 100 tackles, and a few forced fumbles. But overall, while a lot of his ability and his play will be determined by his stats, I think he's going to have an impact that goes way beyond the stat sheet, just with his football IQ, getting people in place, making sure they're lined up correctly, and also just being all over the field with pass deflections. He's a guy who can cover an immense amount of ground in an insanely short amount of time. So I think Earl Thomas is going to ball out, have a lot of impact on this Ravens defense, and he's locked up for four years. So I think that the Ravens got him at a very good point. He's looking to rebound. He's hungry. And the Ravens play Seattle this year, and that's going to be a game to watch. I'm calling it right now. That's going to be a game to watch. Earl Thomas is going to come out in that game playing with extra fire, extra motivation. And I just think Earl Thomas is going to have a very solid year for this Ravens defense and help propel them to be one of the best in the league again. That's all I have for you today. The Ravens play the Washington Redskins tonight at 7.30. But after that, we really get into cut days, who makes the team and who doesn't. So tomorrow we're going to be getting into a recap of that game as well as who solidified their spot on the team, who didn't help their case, and who is most likely going to be let go. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.